boy. Ah, all right, guys, before I get started, can we just please pray? Will you bow your head and pray with me? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this place, this place of healing, hope, uh, restoration um, uh, with families, friends. Uh, just thank you for this place. It has done uh, miracles in my life and the lives of those around me. And I know that the seats that we are in tonight are very, very expensive seats. I know that somebody had to die so that I would be able to have the seat that I am in tonight. And I appreciate uh, the sacrifices that other people have made so that I can stay and, and uh, grow and recover. So please calm my nerves and help me get through this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Hello, my name is Sam. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I am celebrating recovery from addiction. Hi, Sam. Hi. How I got here, <clears throat> how I got here is probably like how most of you got here. Life was really pretty good. I had a great career. I was moving up the corporate ladder and heading towards a six-figure income with great success. My relationship with my kids was one of love, patience, understanding, and joyful bliss. And my marriage was fantastic. My wife and I got along great and communicated well with no outside help or advice from anyone. It was really picture perfect. Did anybody get here like this? This is not my story at all. In fact, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. Uh, this is not my story at all. In fact, it is quite the opposite. I couldn't keep a job to save my life. I argued, yelled, and cussed and screamed at my kids on a regular basis, and my marriage was not going good at all. And top it off, all off, my wife was on the verge of divorce because of my behaviors. Here are a few of the events throughout my life that pointed me in the direction I chose to take that eventually led me here. My parents were very, both very young when they had me and, I had, and had divorced at such an early age that I don't have any memories of them being together at all. I do not remember seeing much of my dad either. To be honest with you, I don't remember seeing much of him until I turned six and he had come to pick me up to go live with him. Now up until this time, I had been living with my grandmother as well as my mom and my other aunts and uncles. I remember all my aunts and uncles being around, but not so much my mom. I very rarely spent any time with her. My grandmother was great though. She was the one who would hold me, hug me, and make me feel loved and tell me everything would be okay. And it seemed like that was daily. <laughs> she comforted me and loved on me. There was a special bond uh, with us unlike with my mom. Like I said, I was six. Like I said, when I was six, I left to go uh, to be with my dad and his new wife, my new stepsister. It was a huge change. I left the security of my grandmother that day. At our house, this new house, there were always parties on the weekends. Lots of strange people and drug use was normal. Each, every party ended the same way. After most of the people left, there would be arguing from my step, from my dad and my stepmom. It would ask, it would escalate quickly to yelling and screaming, and then you would hear the banging and breaking of stuff, and then the all-out fighting. They would punch and kick and scratch each other, and much, much worse. You name it, they did it. Broken dishes, holes being punched in the walls, and my stepsister and I curled up behind the bedroom door, scared to death, hoping it would stop. The next day, sorry, the next day after the fights, we would see them with black eyes, fat lips, scratches on the faces, 
and bruises everywhere. We weren't allowed to talk about what happened at our house with anyone, including with them. They would break up, get back together with promises of, I'll change, it'll get better, with no changes ever. And in Proverbs 26, 11, it says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. And there was a lot of follies being repeated. The only thing that ever did, the only thing that ever did change was our address. We moved often, and I never stayed in one neighborhood or school for long. I've been to 14 different schools that I can remember. This made it difficult to make friends or to do good in school. I would always act out being the class clown. I loved making people laugh, and still do. I was, I was also the neighborhood daredevil. I would jump my bike over rows of trash cans, jump off the roof into a swimming pool, or other crazy stuff, just, to get the, just for the thrill of it, just for the thrill and the adrenaline rush from it. Comedy, thrill-seeking, and people-pleasing were my first addictions, and like any addiction, they would only progress. As I got older, my behaviors only got, only got worse. I was never taught any basic values like honesty, integrity, to be reliable, work hard for what you want. I just found it easier to take what you did say it for because I felt entitled to take whatever I wanted because I thought that somehow the world owed me. When I got into school, I only got worse. Or when I got into high school, I only got worse. I would cut, go play, party, do whatever I could to stay out of school. I did not want to be responsible or have any clue as to what that was. I had become very selfish and self-centered, and this was without drugs. Once I did take my first drug, though, I felt a feeling like I had never felt before. All the pain I had felt about watching my parents fight, the abuse my sister and I would get, the feelings of abandonment would fade away. The feeling that my mom never loved me and didn't want me around would subside. The feeling of being the new kid in school that nobody truly liked and would, would always get teased on a regular basis because I was an easy target just slipped away. I found, I found comfort and escape in this new world. Unfortunately, with a little bit of sanity and reasoning for making good decisions would also fade away. Second Peter 2.19 says, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. Drugs almost instantly took control of me and my ever thought, every thought. I started stealing more and more and started stealing from the one who showed me the most love, most love my grandmother. She had gone blind and I was using her credit card to buy gas and food and then other things. It just escalated. At this time, I had stolen a dirt bike from the apartments where I was working. I thought everything was great. I was getting what I wanted with minimal work and no consequences. That is until my parents left town for the weekend and I decided to have a party. It was great. I was outside showing off on my new dirt bike, the one that I'd just stolen, when the police showed up. Yeah, wasn't that funny? <laughs> I, was, I was arrested for the first of many times to come that night. The person I stole the bike from, for whatever reason, did not press charges, and I was relieved thinking I got away with something once again with no consequences. I was about to be released, or so I thought. Then a detective came in, sat down, and started questioning me about credit cards. My heart sank. I was not expecting this. I was busted, or so I thought. But my grandmother did not press charges either, and I was released. Well, I spent the night in jail. My girlfriend at the time came over and cleaned up the house and all evidence of the party. Then my dad came home. I thought I got away with everything once again. 
And then my dad called me out to the backyard and showed me the trash can full of beer cans and other trash from the party. He simply warned me and said, no more parties, and if I did, I would have to leave home. Well, a few weeks had passed by, and my parents were going out of town again. Yep. That's right, another party. The last one was pretty epic, except the getting arrested part. So this one would be even better. It was just hours after they had left, and everyone showed up at my house. I felt like I was so cool. And then my dad walked in. I did not feel so cool. He calmly asked everyone to please get their stuff and leave. Then, then he asked me, what was I thinking? I gave him the typical dumb shoulder shrug. And with disappointment and sadness in his eyes, he said I needed to leave too. Did not realize that my dad was setting boundaries at that time. Now, I know my dad had his own demons and life wasn't great, but we had lots of fun and did great family things together. We would camp during the summer almost every weekend, play frisbee for hours, take walks, and always, always went on fishing trips together. We did most of our bonding on our fishing trips, and we would talk about, and, and my dad would talk about life with me. I really did love my dad, and I know that my dad loved me. I stayed with friends and family for a day here and a day there until I had burnt all my bridges and eventually became homeless and didn't even realize it. I thought it was all normal at the time. After a few weeks had passed, one of my friends came and found me and said I needed to go home. So I quickly went home and found that the police, fire department, and ambulance were all at my house. My stepmother had shot herself in the stomach with my dad's 30-30 rifle, killing herself. My dad packed up and moved to his friend's house, Morgan Hill. I was lost again. My, dad, my stepmom was dead, my dad left, and I was just going deeper into my addiction, not knowing how to get out of it. I wanted to talk to my dad and apologize but just didn't know how. I screwed up really bad this time. One month later, my dad had an aneurysm and was flown to UC Stanford. I went to go see him, and he was hooked up to all the equipment to keep him alive. Tubes and hoses everywhere with the sounds of beeping and oxygen flowing in and out, doing the breathing for him. He was in a coma for a short time, and then he woke up for a bit. While he was awake, he was able to write to us. My mom was there with me, and my dad simply wrote, Jackie good, Sam good. I thought in my head that since he was able to do that, that I would be able to get the chance to talk to him once again and be able to apologize for everything that I did. But I never got that chance. My dad went, to, went into an irreversible coma and I never got to speak with him ever again. In many conversations with my dad in the past, he made it clear to me that if he were ever on life support for any reason, to take him off the machines and to let him go. Now at this time, my grandmother was on the other side of the bay and had been blind for years now. She, she had been waiting for a cornea transplant surgery and she finally received one. She was able to see her grandchild, her grandkids, she was able to see her grandkids she had never seen before and was able to see her own kids that she hadn't seen in years. She was even able to drive again for a while. It was amazing. The only thing was that in most cases to have a transplant surgery, someone had to pass away. My dad was the one who passed away, and he was an organ donor, so my grandma received his corneas and regained her vision the day after my dad died. My dad's death brought my grandmother's sight. <clears throat> after, after that, I moved to Modesto with my mom. It didn't take long for me to meet a girl out here and to get together with her. It was not right from the start. We would argue, fight, break up, and get back together again with all the promises I'd heard before from my parents. 
I'll change. We can work it out. Don't go. But if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I wasn't changing. Neither was she. Through all of our ups and downs, we had a beautiful little girl. And I thought that for sure she would make things okay. I would get my act together and we would be a normal little family. Nope. Nothing was going the way I thought. And I was struggling with everyday life and didn't know how to deal with it. So I just went back to the comfort I'd always found in drugs. After a while, I admitted my, my problem and got into a treatment program. While in treatment, while in the treatment program, they took us to NA meetings. I joined, I enjoyed them and did what was suggested. I got a sponsor, got into service and started working the 12 steps. Life for the first time started looking hopeful. I got a, into an apprenticeship, started working a good job and dug deep into NA and recovery. Everything was turning around except my relationship with my girlfriend. I kept doing the same thing over and over again, expect, expecting different results, which, was the which is the definition of insanity. I didn't like the way that things were going, so I broke up with her and moved out of town, even though it was suggested to me not to make any major decisions for the first year of my recovery. My meeting attendance went down, along with my contact with my sponsor. I started hanging out with the guys from work, and one weekend went out with them to a nightclub because they wanted a designated driver and they knew I didn't drink. I was okay the first night, no problems at all. But the second night, just like that, I relapsed, went back to my same old behaviors and dug deeper into my addiction. After some time of doing a little bit better here and there, I met a woman, a very beautiful woman. We started out as friends and we would go out drinking and dancing together. We had a great time. We had a great time when we were together, when we were with each other, and eventually became a couple and got married. We had lots of fun. She had three kids, I had one. I thought it was fantastic, and in my head, I was sure that this relationship would fill the void in my heart that I had been missing. She was the answer to all my problems, and surely she would make me okay. It started off great. We did lots of family things together. We did lots of camping, we made many trips to the ocean, we did lots of surfing, boogie boarding, skimboarding, or just relax in the sun. We seemed to be a great family, at least from the outside, much like how I grew up, but so much different behind closed doors, also much how I grew up. I thought I was so much better than my parents were because I wasn't physically abusive, but I may have been much worse. When it came to our kids, I thought because I was the parent that the kids should just listen to me and do as I said. It very rarely ever went that way. I would ask them to do something or to stop doing something, and they would not do it. I felt disrespected, and I would talk louder and louder, and eventually lose control and start yelling, cussing, and screaming. I did all the things I saw my parents do except the hitting. I think they probably would have rather been hit than to take the verbal abuse. At some point, drinking wasn't just, was just not enough to, to make me feel to make me not feel anymore, and I eventually picked up drugs again with nobody knowing. Even though I would have moments of feeling no pain, mentally, physically, or spiritually, it did not last long, and my behaviors only got worse. A shorter temper with even greater, with even angrier and more verbally abusive outbursts. I was in total denial and thought this was all normal behavior and that our marriage and family were great because we still did family things together. My wife was becoming more upset with my behavior and started to threaten with divorce. I only went deeper into my addiction with none of my family knowing about the drugs I had been doing or the stuff I had to do to get them. I was stealing from myself, my wife, my kids, my mother-in-law, 
all in order to get what I needed and then blaming them for everything that I did. I was living a huge lie. I came home one day after fishing with my mom and my son and thought that my secret was still safe. Up until this point, I had been doing a whole lot of 911 prayers and negotiating with God to help me get out of the trouble I had got myself into with no answers. When I got home, I said goodbye to my mom and saw her off and went inside. My wife called me to our bedroom and she pulled back the covers on, the side of, on my side of the bed. My heart sank. It was all my lighters, pipes, and dope that I had stashed in my closet. I was busted. The look in her eye, the look in her eyes was the worst. It was so painful. I could see all the pain in her face and disappointment. She asked me to pack my things and leave. I had the nerve to ask where would I go. She told me that she didn't care where I went, but I needed to leave. My marriage of 10 years was over with. I once again screwed up everything. If only I would have asked for help earlier on. I was very upset with God. I came to him in prayer and asked for help. What kind of help is this? My wife wanted me, wanted me to leave and probably divorce me. Not the kind of help I prayed for. Thanks God for nothing except for screwing up my life once again. How could you do this to me? I packed up all my things and I left. I also took the pair of shoes that she did not look in at the bottom of my closet that had more dope and another pipe in it. I was going to, take, to get high one last time. On my way to my aunt's house, I took the pipe and the drugs and I threw them into an open field. I thought I'd come back for them later on to bring back that comfortable, numbing feeling I'd always relied on, but for whatever reason, I didn't. It began day one. I went to my Aunt Julie's house where my mom was also living at the time and told him everything that had happened. She let me stay there, she let me stay there with her. I got myself into a treatment center in Stockton as soon as I could. My wife and kids would come for family visits and family group. I told my wife that I was graduating a day earlier than I thought. I was excited because I finished my program and as far as my wife knew, I was cured and would finally get to come home. She told me that they would be there to watch me graduate and that my Uncle Rob said I can move in with him. I said, what? Why can't I come home? I'm okay, I'm ready. I was ready but she wasn't, and in my head, we were done. I moved into a sober living home in Modesto. I started going to NA meetings, I got a sponsor, started working the steps. I also remembered this thing I heard about at church. It was called Celebrate Recovery, so I came. I don't remember much about my first time here except for the music, it was great. I left right after large group that night, very fearful, but I kept coming back and eventually stayed for small group. This is when my life started to change. My wife and daughter both started attending CR to support me. My whole family did, actually. Both of them started going to small group and started, to, started in step studies and got sponsors. They both had grew and changed so much, I wanted what they had, so I got involved in a step study here at CR. I started with a group of great men and finished with them. During this time, I remember going to church, excited to hear a man I've heard on the radio for years. His name is, or was, Luis Pulau. I was there with my family, but still living at a sober living house. At the end of his sermon, he asked anyone who wanted to accept Jesus into their lives to repeat this prayer. I said the prayer with him and asked Jesus into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I was desperate and wanted my sins to be washed away and to start a new life and shed the old. It took me almost losing everything to be at a place of complete surrender. 
First Peter 3.15 says this. Instead, you must worship Christ as, your, as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Today, I'm more ready than ever. During my step study, I met so many great godly men. Being involved in a step study kept me accountable every week to do the work and to show up. Not only did it help me grow in my recovery, but it also helped me grow in my walk with Christ and to become more of a godly man. Step work, step work was okay. I had already come to believe uh, in a power that was greater than myself, and I believed that God could restore me to sanity. Then I started the fourth step. The fourth step was easier than I expected. I simply wrote out my inventory and put it all on paper. I finished doing my fourth step, then the hard part came. This is where the real growth started for me, the, the fifth step. I was to confess to God, myself, and another human being the exact nature of my wrongs. I had trust in the process to tell my sponsor all the things in my past, good and the bad. When I was done, I felt the relief I had been told about, and my sponsor made me feel loved and let me know that I was not alone. I felt a huge weight had been taken off my shoulders. Finishing my, the, my step study with a great group of men was like finishing some type, of a, uh, some type of a championship. I started something with a bunch of men and finished with all of them. I didn't quit. We finished, and we all, I think all of us are still here to this day. Uh, I've had many challenges since starting this journey. My mom passed away from lung cancer early on in my recovery. It was difficult, but with the support of my family and new recovery friends, I made, I made it through it without using drugs. Then I had heart surgery. A couple months after I, my mom had passed. That was scary. I was an addict who would do whatever it took to get my drugs and did not want to repeat those patterns. I made it through the surgery okay, but I was still at the sober living home. My wife allowed me to come home from the hospital and help me to help me monitor the pain pills and help me through the recovery process. It was comforting, but still heartbreaking at the same time because it was just until I healed. I felt like an unwanted guest in my own home. It took a long time, but I did get to move back home and it, had been, and it has been a long journey and my life has changed. I've been in several step studies now and have co-facilitated co several. I meet with my sponsor regularly and talk to him regularly. I tell him everything that is going on in my life to help take the power out of my daily struggles so I don't ever have to pick up and use again. I carry with me an emergency journal in my truck at all times because I know when I call him about something, he will ask me if I've four-stepped it. So I do it before I call. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> I also meet with a group of men every other week as an accountability group that one member has coined the name Brocovery. This group has been one of the biggest blessings of recovery for me. We meet regularly and talk about life and go over everything that's going on on a weekly basis. I share everything with these guys. You guys are, I have found lifelong friendships with these guys built on trust and honesty. You guys know who you are and I appreciate everything you've done for me. I don't say these things to brag in any way. These are all things that I was encouraged to do and it has changed me into the man I am today. Today I'm a better person. I have a relationship with God that I never had before. It is because of this relationship with him that my relationship with my wife has been restored. God is good. I really want to thank my kids. They encouraged me to go to church with them, and it is there that I learned about CR. I would not be here if God did not soften my heart 
to go that one time. Thank you guys. I really wanna thank my wife for doing the most difficult thing and asking me to leave our home for, for, and for being strong enough to keep me out until only time, step work, and God could restore, which I thought was a lifetime. You are my best friend. We, tru we truly are happier than we ever have been in our lives. We talk all the time about life, our dreams, our goals, and our struggles. Our marriage is stronger now than ever before. Our life has seen some new troubles in the last couple of years. My mother-in-law has been diagnosed with lung cancer, and her time here is limited, and we know, it because of my we know because of my mom what is coming, and it hurts to see her like that. Then, about a year and a half ago, I was having some chest discomfort, like now. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, so after we were having, we, at that time, we were, I had a little bit of chest discomfort, but we were having a CR fellowship at our home. And then afterwards, the next day, I was having a surprise party for my wife. She loves surprises. Not. <laughs> Gave me a heart attack. I went to the hospital. They told me I needed to have a heart cat done. I've done them before, so I thought, no big deal. I had a massive heart attack while I was on the cath lab table and thought for sure I was going to die. Still, still here, though. <laughs> I remember my sponsor coming to visit me, thinking everything was all good, walking down the hall with his big gulp. And then he found out things weren't that good. And he sat, and he prayed with me, and then he left pray with me and my family, and then he left. Thank you, Scott. I'm still grateful for that day. I'm still working through all of that, the physical and the mental uh, events of that day. Uh, then my wife went in for routine lab work, wanting to see her cholesterol labs because of this new plant-based diet we were on because of what happened with my heart stuff. And she wanted bragging rights because she was sure hers would beat mine. Well, she never actually got the lab results for the cholesterol. She got a different one. She was told those three words that you never want to hear. And it wasn't, your cholesterol is great. It was, you have cancer. She was diagnosed with, she was diagnosed with myeloid, chronic myeloid leukemia. She is on a chemo, chemo pill every day now. She is a beast, though, and handles it great. I'm the one who struggles watching my wife hurt. It brings me back to a place of powerlessness, and that's okay, that's what recovery is for. It is painful to watch the one you love so much feel so bad. Still, because of recovery, family, sponsorship, and Jesus, I am still clean, standing here today with 10 years, five months, and seven days. I'm here to tell you that recovery does work. We are stronger and closer to God now than ever before. Shaney is a bit better than I am, but I'm doing good considering everything I am, considering everything, and I learned so much from my wife through all of this. I'm telling you, she really is a beast. Uh, all of this is because of Jesus and recovery. If you're new here, just give this thing a try. If it can work for me, it can work for anyone. I'd like to thank Scott and Scott, the other Scott's not here, but Scott, you're here, for all the hard work and dedication you, you do, you go through to make this all available to us. And to those of you who serve here every week so that we can all experience this program, thank you. You are all awesome. 
If you are new, please keep coming back. You are the most important person here. Thank you, God, for never wasting a hurt, habit, or hang-up. And to everyone here, I wanna thank you for letting me share this life-changing process with you, and I hope I see you here next week. Thank you for letting me share my story. Hey, to my defense, they already said you had a heart attack and you are now just transferred to a room. I didn't know when I was walking into the room you'd be having another heart attack. But I did take a sip as they were like all doing stuff. I was like the guy in the corner like, it was awesome. It was great, but um, that was a scary day. Scary day and grateful I went and grateful I could pray for you. Um, Sam, thank you for sharing your story. If uh, what he shared impacted your life, go talk to him. You're looking for a sponsor, go talk to him. You're lo- <laughs> He's like, I'm hiding, um, right? Your sponsor's putting you to work. Um, good times, no, um, but talk to him, connect, get dessert, whatever. Um, unless it's plant-based, he can't eat it, but there's watermelon tonight, so it'll be great. Um, so hold hands with the buddy next to you or the friend next to you or the person next to you to show that we are not in this alone And uh, let's close the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship (laughs) is a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next. Amen. Amen. First time guest, yes. First time guest right across the hallway. Second time guest right up front. The rest of you guys.